Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Hey everyone. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Hey everybody, it's Los. I hope you all had fun this week in your fantasy matchups. Boy, this one was a real doozy uh, on the television. Yeah, I uh you know, I luckily got through unscathed. I uh, I missed the playoffs in a couple of my leagues, but uh, the ones where I did make the playoffs, uh, I have buys, so nothing really impacted oh, well, that. Oh, look at you. But it was certainly a crazy first week, uh, just tons of injuries leading to early exits both in real life and probably for some fantasy teams, big names like Josh Jacobs, Rashad Pe- Rashad Penny. Uh, Darius Geis, Mike Evans, Devontae Parker, Calvin Ridley, DJ Shark, Jared Cook, Vance McDonald, and more guys as well. I'm sure there are a lot of teams who have struggled as a result and probably going to get eliminated due to some of these injuries. And even tonight, uh, Alshon Jeffrey just uh, got carted off the field, doesn't look good, just highlights the importance of getting that first round by in a lot of leagues to guarantee that advance. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good thing to get. Uh, most leagues, I think it's just the top two. Some leagues have it just the top one, actually, which is really weird. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is uh, actually, but this coming week is always my least favorite week. Semifinals week is the week that destroys and demolishes me every year. Um, well storied. I just want to pretend it doesn't exist. Is that the, uh, the Justin Tucker week? Yeah, that was the Justin Tucker week once, yep. But uh, I've had so many bad beats in the semifinals. Just uh, Drew Brees, you know, disappearing. Uh, Tom Brady disappearing in fantasy playoffs. They stick with you, but sometimes you got to let them go. And maybe Drew Brees will do something like he did uh, this week. Yeah, maybe you just need to make some sacrifices to the fantasy gods. Maybe that's what it is. That could be. Somebody, uh, somebody had a voodoo doll of Alshon Jeffrey tonight. I, I think Elshon Jeffries his own living, breathing voodoo doll. This guy has more hamstring injuries than Leonard Fournette and I don't know Julio Jones combined. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a lot going on. It's been a crazy weekend, but uh, I think the craziest game was still uh, the Niners at the Saints. Did you get a chance to watch that? I actually watched the vast majority of that game, and it was so crazy. Wow, that was a really fun game. Remember uh, remember when we told everybody it's a bench Drew Brees last week? <laughs> you know, the process was there. The process was correct. But I believe I said, now watch him blow up for, I don't think I said six touchdowns or anything, but, you know. Yeah, but uh, certainly uh, it was a very exciting game on both sides, very back and forth. And that will lead us into our Gillette Close Shave of the Week. The 49ers traveling to the Superdome to face the Saints was the matchup of the week, and it certainly did not disappoint. It was a back-and-forth game and a shootout in which Drew Brees and Jimmy Garoppolo combined for nearly 700 yards and nine touchdowns. George Kittle contributed a touchdown early in the second half and played his role in the offense, but it wasn't until the Saints scored with just 53 seconds left in the game that Kittle contributed the most crucial play of the game. 
With the Saints up 46-45, to Kittle caught a short pass and ran it for 39 yards, breaking tackles and dragging three defenders for an extra 8-10 to 10 yards before going down. He also drew a face mask penalty, putting San Francisco on New Orleans' 13-yard line. Kittle's long catch and run led to Robbie Gold's eventual game-winning 30-yard field goal as time expired. Get your close shave like George Kittle with Gillette. There's a best for every man. Get $3 off your first order when you create an account using the code WELCOME3. And try Gillette's new heated razor, providing comfort with every stroke. That guy's just a football player. I, I don't know if that's a cliche or not. It sounds like a Grudenism, I guess, but but that that guy's just a football player. You want to, I mean, you want your kid to play football, you show him that play and say, you go be that guy. Yeah, it's, and I don't think people understand, uh, you know, just how hard it is with the face mask penalty. There's a reason it's it's illegal, <laughs> because it really yeah. twists your neck, your head. It's um, He just fought right through it. Just, just oh, man, what a beastly play. Yep, it reminded me of a young Jason Witten. Granted, he's much more talented than a young Jason Witten, but the uh, the position has changed vastly over the years. Yeah, I was going to say more of a, a Gronkian type run through that contact and just throwing people off. Yes, sir. To toss them out the club. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's enough fun. Let's uh, let's start this. Uh, let's start this horrid weekend, if you will. Yeah, it's uh, it should be a pretty uh, pretty interesting game. Not really. Uh, to start off Thursday night, the Jets at the Ravens. Yeah, the Jets get the short week to prepare here for Baltimore. I, I don't think it's going to help them all too much. Uh, Lev Bell missed this week with illness, but is expected to play versus Baltimore and would be a running back two. Uh, Jamison Crowder converted just three of seven 30 yards and will probably see Jimmy Smith. So he's probably going to get another eight targets, but not expecting much out of that whatsoever. Maybe two, three catches. Robbie Anderson was a was big time in Miami, 7 of 11, 116 yards and a touchdown, but he's going to see Marcus Peters, I'm guessing. I'd certainly bench both here. Uh, Ryan Griffin has lost his value as of late. He's probably out with a high ankle sprain this week. Yeah, assuming Griffin is out this week, Daniel Brown would be the likely starter at tight end, but he's not going to be worth the start in fantasy. There's really nobody outside of Bell or Crowder this week that I'd want to be starting on the Jets. Anderson draws a tough matchup, as you alluded to, and it's unlikely that he's going to break any long touchdowns in this game. Uh, just a wide receiver four for me. And Crowder is interesting due to some garbage time potential, but that's, I mean, it's tough to rely on. I have him as just a desperation flex, and with Le'Veon Bell expected back from that uh, illness, He's a low-end RB2 because of his workload and his usage in the passing game, but just not a whole lot of upside here for any Jets player. Baltimore gets their short week, too, and I don't think they're going to need much more than that to uh, prepare too hard for the Jets. Lamar is a quarterback one with another three passing touchdowns this week, and if Andrews plays Mark Andrews, he's a tight end one. Uh, I think they might rest him. They could certainly beat the Jets without him, which may be trouble for me because he's been my tight end all year in uh in my most important league. If he's out, Hayden Hurst and Nick Boyle have both been very involved, but I think the workload split would just set you up for disaster picking one and watching the other score two touchdowns or something. Um, just too risky, in my opinion. Mark Ingram's a running back, too. Points are going to be scored, but I just don't know by which ancillary player on the offense. Could it be Willie Sneed again? Probably, but I don't want him in my lineup. 
Yeah, if I had to pick a tight end outside of Andrews, it'd probably be Hurst. Uh, I think he's a bit more playmaking ability, but as you said, just very tough to project there. Um, among the rest of the wide receivers, uh, you know, Marquise Brown is probably the best bet here, but really it's Jackson as a top three quarterback and then Ingram as a boomer bust RB2 here. Uh, really, it would make sense for Baltimore to not risk Andrews, one of their key players on offense in a matchup where they should be able to win this without him. Um, something to monitor, uh, Jackson was limited in practice with a quad injury today, and I, I believe they are missing their left tackle uh, due to a concussion, so uh, it it's, remains to be seen whether he'll be ready on a short week uh, to clear the protocol, most likely not. Uh, however, I will still take the Ravens here uh, with or without these injuries. Oh, absolutely. I, I fully expect at least a quarter and a half of uh, of Robert Griffin III just running the clock out. Sunday noon, central time, 1 p.m. Eastern, New England at Cincinnati. The Patriots lost 23-16 to to the Chiefs on a tough day against an otherwise not great Kansas City defense the prior weeks. I don't know what made them wake up uh, this week. And a little help from some suspect calls from officials taking points directly off the board more than once. But regardless... I expect New England to come out strong in what is a must-win game for these guys now for playoff seeding. <clears throat> Brady should be an upside quarterback, too. I don't expect him to have to throw the ball all around, and Cincinnati's actually been a little bit better against quarterbacks than expected. The run game got schemed out against Kansas City, but they should. this should be a heavy run week for them. Uh, that said, if you relied on Sony Michelle last week against the Kansas City defense, I bet you are not in the playoff race anymore. James White is the best bet as an upside flex. Edelman's a wide receiver two with PPR wide receiver one upside. But I firmly expect this game to be well in hand by the fourth quarter with uh, Brandon Bolden and Rex Burkhead churning out some clock in the second half. Mm -hmm. And uh, sadly, my prediction of the Chiefs upset last week came true. Um, but really, despite the bad officiating, New or excuse me, not, not New Orleans, New England really only had themselves to blame. This was a winnable game. Despite the negated touchdown and the fumble return, they just really need their receivers to step up, and we haven't seen that happen yet. That said, uh, the Patriots are quote-unquote onto Cincinnati yet again after a home loss to Kansas City. <laughs> uh, time really uh, is a flat circle sometimes. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I feel bad for the Bengals because this is another game where New England's going to keep their foot on the pedal and just beat down on Cincinnati as a statement game. Uh, of course, these are very different rosters for both teams from 2014 to now outside of Brady and Dalton. But just as a point of reference, uh, the Patriots beat Cincinnati 43-17 to after that loss to Kansas City five years ago. Uh, I would expect uh, something along the same lines this week. Uh, you make a fair point, of course, Los, that uh, teams who started Sony Michelle this past week very likely lost in Week 14. But if not, as crazy as it sounds, I think I'm going back to Michelle's and RB2. I expect them to hammer that Bengals run defense. Um, that is the weakness. And while there is risk with Michelle, there's also upside of 100 yards and a touchdown here. So I think I am going back to him. Uh, certainly risky at this point, but, uh, you know, I, I feel like every player is risky. You, you never know when the injuries are going to hit. And you never know when the down games are coming. Um, and as a result, I, I like Brady quite a bit as well. Um, I've got him actually as a QB one with upside here, given all the scoring that I'm expecting on the Patriots side. So, uh, if you're desperate outside of, you know, the, the usual starters here, I guess I would play Sanu over, excuse me, Sanu over Dorsett, but, uh, neither of these guys is really trustworthy. 
Cincinnati is uh, actually trying to play hard, putting up some numbers offensively, led by 23 for 146 yards and a touchdown rushing for Mixon with an additional three catches on four targets and 40 yards receiving. Tyler Boyd was good as a wide receiver, three, five of six for 75 yards, but I would avoid him versus New England, who eliminates offenses altogether. There's going to be some deep shots and garbage time, but I try to find somewhere else in another game this week. Uh, nobody else for this team this week. But the Bengals do get Miami next week for your championship. So, you know, hit your uh, little star, your little flag. Keep them on your watch list. Yeah, and I don't think anyone's dropping Boyd or Mixon here. These are the main guys. No. Um, if you're desperate, I think maybe Alex Erickson gets some garbage time PPR, but I, I wouldn't count on that either. Um, Patriots are favored by 10 points here, but I could see them winning by twice that amount. I'm going to take New England here. Agree there. Tampa Bay at Detroit. Tampa beat Indy, but Mike Evans pulled up with a hamstring after one catch on two targets. Big, big 61-yard touchdown grab. Nice catch. Uh, Chris Godwin led the team with 7 of 9, 91 yards, but touchdowns were scored by Brashad Perriman, Justin Watson, and Cameron Brait. Detroit has been a nice matchup. Godwin's a wide receiver one here. Evans is out with a hamstring, and Bruce Arians is concerned he's not going to be back again this year. Um, even so, I don't think Perriman or Watson are reliable enough to start here in Detroit. The running back split carries 11 apiece again, and despite the nice running back matchup in Detroit, I'm avoiding both of them as well as low-end flexes with bottomless floors, I think they have. Right, and Barber would be my pick among the running backs. Uh, he's got the best shot at a goal line touchdown, but certainly high risk in playing any Tampa Bay running back, even against the soft Detroit run defense. I suppose Godwin is a low-end wide receiver one, given all the wide receivers who are injured or have bad matchups this week, but I wouldn't expect a huge day against Darius Slay here. Um, I actually do find both Perriman and Watson interesting. Uh, these are both wide receivers who should get a lot of targets with Mike Evans out. I have Perriman as a low-end wide receiver three or flex and Watson a high-end wide receiver four. The biggest winner, though, might be O.J. Howard. He could see targets uh, with Evans out, and he's a high-end tight end, too, this week, although he does have a low floor. David Bloch has not been good at all since uh, since quarter two of the Bears game, actually. Uh, Kennedy Galladay got bailed out with a late touchdown, 6 of 8, 58 yards this week. He's a wide receiver, too, though. I mean, it's, it's bad with Bloch, but he's got the Tampa Bay matchup. Marvin Jones caught just three of seven. I think he's lost all of his upside altogether with David Blau, unfortunately. Uh, Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick will split touches with Scarborough likely out. Uh, but that's a tough matchup on the ground versus Tampa anyway, so I wouldn't start either running back. No, and I prefer McKissick over Ty Johnson and PPR as the pass-catching back, but neither is more than a desperation flex. Uh, really, it's Galladay as the boomer bust wide receiver too, as you said, and Jones as a boomer bust flex play. This game probably isn't going to be pretty on either side, but uh, I guess I'm going to go with the Bucks here. If they can beat the Colts despite three interceptions from Winston, they can probably handle Detroit. Yeah, give me Tampa. There's there's only one player on their defense that can uh, intercept up the ball, and Jameis isn't dumb, to, dumb enough to throw it at him 40 times. Well, Chicago. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago at Green Bay. Uh, the Bears are at a bit of a roll. Three touchdowns in the air, plus another rushing touchdown versus the Cowboys. But I'm not getting too cute here. Um, uh, Trubisky's definitely a high-variance daily option, though. I might consider something there, but but not in your season, not in your playoffs. David Montgomery went 20 carries, 86 yards with zero catches, and is a back-end running back, two here. Tariq Cohen is a PPR flex play, another six catches this week. 
and he he really is the best. Uh, really, the best option is just Allen Robinson, who went five of eight, 48 yards, two very strong touchdowns against a good uh, Dallas secondary. He's a wide receiver too in Green Bay. Yeah, hopefully Trubisky running more against Dallas uh, was an indication that his shoulder is fully healthy now. They're not concerned about a re-injury here. If they keep running these RPOs and bootlegs, it's going to help open up the offense quite a bit. And despite their record, Green Bay doesn't really strike me as a true contender. Uh, I might regret this, but I actually do kind of like Trubisky as a high-end QB2 with upside uh, if that rushing production is going to be boosting his numbers. I've got Montgomery as a low-end RB2, Cohen a flex in PPR, and of course Robinson should have another strong day as a high-end wide receiver too. Uh, A clear target magnet from Trubisky here. Miller I'd avoid, uh, just a wide receiver four, assuming that Taylor Gabriel is back from his concussion to siphon away some targets. And while it's good that uh, the Bears are getting their tight ends more involved in the passing game, both Horstead and Holtz are still splitting snaps, which doesn't make either of them worth a start in fantasy. Whatever happened to Broniker? I thought he was a tight end. Yeah, whatever happened to Burton and Shaheen well, and he, all these guys. He's on the IR, though. Oh, yeah, Shaheen. Yeah, he was a good second rounder. Yeah, just... Oh, boy. Yeah, I know I know plenty of people who uh, who drafted both Shaheen and uh, Burton at certain points and expected a lot more than what they got. Oof. All right. Uh, Green Bay gets the Bears, of course, who stifled uh, their offense completely earlier this season. But the Packers have gotten it together a little bit more. Uh, the Bears have sustained injuries on defense. Now, if Akeem Hicks is healthy, maybe Aaron Jones is not a running back one, but I'm not going to bench him regardless, especially at home. He's at the very worst an upside running back, too. Um, Green Bay coaching came out and said that they're going to figure out how to get the ball in Jones's hand in the passing game rather than Jamal Williams. So they were pretty, pretty well aware of the fact that they shouldn't have been throwing the ball Jamal Williams way as much and getting Aaron Jones in there on passing downs. So I think he retains his value. I, I don't think um, the six catches here is is uh, is phony. Adams is a wide receiver one. He should get plenty of targets this week, just four of six for 41. But the run game was clicking with Aaron Jones nearing 200 yards between his rushing and receiving. Uh, If you love the Packers, Alan Lazard is the only other play on the team. Uh, But he only went two of three, 19 yards. I hear a lot of analysts getting behind him all season, really uh, sticking with him. I just don't get it all. I I don't think he's an option this year. I don't think he's a dynasty option. I, I, I just don't see it. Yeah, I think some of the hype is on the dynasty side, but certainly this week uh, I would not go for Lazard here. And I actually I am approaching this game with the assumption that Akeem Hicks is back. Uh, all the reports seem to be that he's on track to play this week, barring a setback. And it's also good that his injury was an elbow dislocation, not a lower body injury, so his conditioning should be pretty good. I don't love Rodgers here, even at home, and I've got him as just a high-end QB, too. Uh, He's really struggled in fantasy all year. And likewise, as you said, I have Aaron Jones downgraded, but I still have him as a low-end RB1. There just aren't that many running back options out there, especially if the Packers are indeed going to try and get him more involved now in the passing game. Um, Still a little bit boomer bust, but certainly the receptions are going to help his PPR floor. Uh, Williams, just an RB4. Uh, You're hoping he vultures a touchdown now that his workload is scaled back a little bit. And of course, despite a down day for Devontae Adams against Washington, he's still a mid-range wide receiver one here. I could actually see this game going either way. Um, Maybe it's just crazy optimism, but I'm going to gamble on Hicks being back, maybe turning the tide on defense, and Trubisky staying healthy enough to get some first downs with his legs again. 
I'm going to roll the dice on Chicago on the road. I love it. I appreciate that you need to gain some games on me, uh, but but I'm going to stick with uh, stick with Green Bay. I got to stick with my head over my heart, unfortunately. I, w- I hope you're right. I, I really do. I truly do. But I mean, either way, you don't think it's going to be a blowout, right? I don't think um, there's going to be enough points scored for it to be called a blowout, no. Okay. Houston at Tennessee. Houston was destroyed by Denver. Don't let the unscore fool you. 38-24 to 24 was all garbage time Houston production. That said, Watson put up near 300 yards, one touchdown and two interception passing, and two rushing touchdowns, so he had a mighty fine day for you, and I'm fine with him as a quarterback one here. With the blowout uh, that I just don't see happening twice, especially in a divisional game, I'm just throwing out this week's stats and going with my brain again. Hyde is a running back three, and we'll see the bulk of the work here. Duke is a sit, even though he's looked more electric and I think should get a little more of the work. But, you know, I'm not Bill O'Brien. Hopkins is a wide receiver one, scoring a nice touchdown this week with 120 yards. But I'm actually not going to start anybody else here versus Tennessee. Yeah, maybe Kenny Stills is a boomer bust flex, but, uh, you know, it just, there hasn't been that much here for the passing game outside of that garbage time from Denver. Uh, if, if Will Fuller were healthy, he'd certainly be worth starting, but I just don't see that happening with his second hamstring uh, injury of the year. It would seem uh, that Houston beating New England two weeks ago is more of an indication of how badly the Patriots' offense is struggling and not so much uh, that the Texans are necessarily a great team here. Um, agree with Watson as a QB1, and Hyde I do like as an RB3 or flex, as you said. I think he has some touchdown upside as well with Tennessee struggling against the run. Uh, and, of course, they're starting DeAndre Hopkins. The Titans beat the Raiders 42-21, to a very nice win on the road. Tannehill had a solid 391 yards, three touchdowns, one interception with 19 yards rushing, and remains a solid streaming choice at home versus Houston. Uh, Derek, I should probably stop calling him a streamer, but it's just given that he was not drafted. You know, he's a quarterback one. He's as rock solid as a quarterback one as just about anybody can be right now. Uh, Derek Henry was great, 18 carries, 103 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, and one catch. He's a running back one here. Jonu Smith scored, but I'm not counting on that or taking it forward. The interesting piece here was is A.J. Brown, 5 of 7, 153 yards and two touchdowns. He continues to outproduce Corey Davis, but we see him disappear as well over and over again. Although he's been there a little more as of late. I don't know. I guess the rookie snap count is, is expanding for him, so he's doing okay. Uh, I think he has some flex upside depending on your situation. It's just hard to change gears for me in the playoffs, but... I think he may be something really solid for you. I'd certainly start him over Kenny Stills. Yeah, and, you know, I think if push came to shove, I would consider A.J. Brown over guys with bigger names but haven't produced this year, like Juju Smith-Schuster if he's active, Odell Beckham. for sure, for sure. Yeah, just, man, I, I think the Titans are a legit contender this year. Houston is still the favorite to win the AFC South, but it wouldn't shock me if Tennessee stole it either. Um, as you said, Tannehill's a, a low on QB1 here. Uh, of course, you're starting Derrick Henry as a mid-range RB1. Uh, the hamstring injury is a little bit worrisome just in the fact that it could get aggravated in the game, but as long as he's starting, uh, you, you have to start him in fantasy at this point. And A.J. Brown, we, we mentioned a little bit already. I've got him as a mid-range wide receiver three with a lot of upside every single game. And uh, I'm going to take the Titans at home. Uh, they've got all the momentum right now. Uh, could go either way, but I'm going to ride the hot hand. I agree. Uh, Take the momentum pick. I'm taking Tennessee. They're looking really, really good. Denver at Kansas City. 
Denver came out and shocked Houston with 38 points and the victory. Drew Locke has been better than he advertised, certainly better than uh, than a lot of people were thinking. 300 yards, three touchdowns in the interception. Now, most of it was to tight end Noah Fan for 413 yards and a touchdown, while Cortland Sutton, Sutton had just 34 yards on five catches, seven targets. He should be a wide receiver three with upside in Kansas City, I think. Uh, nobody else really topped two receptions. Philip Lindsay led the ru- rushing with 16, sorry, 16 carries, 51 yards, and a touchdown and two catches to eight carries, 24 yards, and two catches, uh, and a receiving touchdown for Royce Freeman. I think the running game should be leaned on here as Kansas City's weakness, and Lindsay is a back-end running back, too, here with Freeman garnering some flex appeal uh, here in Kansas City. Fant is looking like a back-end tight end one with Drew Locke playing into that young quarterback cliche right now, using both uh, both Fant and Hireman quite a bit. Right, not much to add here. Uh, I will say that Kansas City's run defense has improved a little bit, though, the last few weeks, and their plan seems to be focusing on stopping the pass uh, with faith that their offense is going to give them the lead in most games. So, uh, you know, just kind of stopping opposing offenses from rushing the ball much in the second half. Uh, As a result, I wouldn't expect a huge game for Lindsey here. Uh, You're hoping for another 50 yards on a touchdown kind of day if you're starting him. Um, certainly uh, you're starting Sutton, and, and I do like Fant as a back-end tight end one as well. Uh, the target share is still a little bit inconsistent, but that run after the catch ability, very reminiscent of A.J. Brown, who we just talked about. So certainly uh, has the upside of a big big play touchdown on any given play. Yes, sir. Uh, the Chiefs took out the Patriots 23-16. Nice call, Mung. The main things to look at were the running back committee. Uh, with Damian Williams out, LaShawn McCoy led with 11 carries, 39 yards, and one catch. Certainly not great. To five carries, 11 yards for Spencer Ware. Way too much time on the field for uh, for a guy off the street at running back, but whatever. And four carries, seven yards with four catches for Darwin Thompson. Uh, as a reminder, Darrell Williams is done for the season. If Damian's back here, I think, just given what we saw here, I think he's going to retain the majority of the workload. And I think with all the injuries and nonsense going on right now, he's a back-end running back, too, with some upside. Um, I'm not going to expect Spencer Ware to be active, let alone still on the team by game time if Damian Williams is healthy. Uh, Tyreek and Kelsey are auto starts, of course. I don't think Chris Harris can keep up with Tyreek Hill. If you're desperate, absolutely desperate, McCall Hardman continues to deliver a huge play on minimal touches. He just needs one or two to, to break a big one. He could give you a zero. He could give you 20. Big risk, big reward. Uh, and I'd avoid Sammy Watkins. He He's just been an absolute nightmare. I think you summed things up pretty nicely on Kansas City. Uh, not a whole lot to add, but the running back situation is certainly confusing to project. If Damian Williams is healthy, I would go with Williams over McCoy as the best flex play, but if Damian is out again, it's a real mess. Against New England, uh, Ware actually had the most snaps with 30, but he didn't do much with them fantasy-wise. McCoy had 24 snaps, and Thompson had 21 snaps, so really a three-headed committee here. Uh, if I had to pick if Damian Williams is out, I guess McCoy has the best shot at a goal line touchdown, but even then, he's a low-end flex play. And really, Ware and Thompson aren't, aren't startable right now. Is more than just a desperation running back four or five even. Um, the defense is interesting as well as a streaming option, uh, and we'll touch on that a little bit later, but give me the Chiefs. I will take the Chiefs at home. Miami at the New York Giants. The Giants scored 21 points on the Jets, every one of which was through their kicker. Oh, I'm sorry. The Dolphins scored 21 on the Jets, every one of which was through their kicker. Seven field goals. 
they get another great defensive matchup, but uh, if Devontae Parker's out with his concussion, I can't chase the Fitzpatrick upside, unfortunately. Uh, he was part of my plans in the league to uh, lean on him late, but that that's done for me if uh, if Parker's out. And it was done for him. You could see he was not willing to take shots uh, at guys that he could, didn't feel he could rely on, and I'm a little surprised about that. He, he'd rather like run like crazy, throw laterals. It was really fun to watch him, but, you know. Gasicki has a shot as an upside tight end, too. Uh, Patrick Laird is a PPR running back three, especially with Devontae Parker gone. Somebody's got to catch passes. Uh, that That's really all. Isaiah Ford saw nine targets. Uh, good luck and God bless you if, if you're going to chase that. Uh, yeah, no. I, I don't think it's crazy. Um, depending on the status of Parker and Albert Wilson, if both of these guys are out, uh, you know, it does make Ford and Alan Hearns as well, uh, you know, kind of volume-based wide receiver fours with upside. Um, remember that volume of touches can greatly skew production, even if you're not really impressed with these guys. Uh, all it takes is, you know, 10, 11 targets from Fitzpatrick, and, you know, they'll, they'll catch what? Maybe at least half of them. So depending on your options, of course, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I can't talk right now. Devonte Parker, I just completely whiffed on his first name. Devonte Parker would be a wide receiver one if healthy, um, and then if he misses, of course, uh, these guys are not going to be as reliable. And Laird, I'm not super sold on him, but he is getting the most workload of these backs, and I guess that counts for something. So he is a, a flex worthy start. Tonight we're going to see how this team fares. Who stays healthy in this week? Uh, Saquon could have a really huge week here. Daniel Jones is done for the fantasy season, but Tate should be a solid wide receiver three with two up wide receiver two upside if he's healthy. And uh, Shepard is locked in as a flex with a bigger upside if Tate is out. We could see Evan Ingram return here, I hope. And if he's back, I'd start him here. Uh, I don't see why Eli should be any worse or different than he was a few weeks ago. It's not like he was lighting the world on fire and had a big drop off. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's still too early to tell right now, but uh, Eli Manning actually looks a bit uh, like the Eli of old. He hasn't checked it down too much. He's made some nice deep throws uh, to Darius Slayton. Uh, Slayton's up to almost a hundred yards and a touchdown, and that's uh, I think a lot of a lot of people expected way more checkdowns to Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard, but. Maybe, uh, you know, having sat all year, uh, Manning's arm is actually pretty rested up. So we'll see uh, We'll see how the target share splits uh, are, end up tonight. So we're only in the second quarter of this game so far. Um, yeah, it's, well, Eli Manning's uh, record kind of depends on it, right? He's uh, exactly 500 coming into this game tonight. <laughs> um, so really he's a, a winner or a loser depending on how this game and, and the rest of the games that he could start this year go. Um, the Giants and the Dolphins are both bad teams. Both have uh, pretty rough looking defenses, but if, uh, you know, uh, with Parker questionable, oh man, another long touchdown for Darius Slayton. That's wow. Um, huh. You know, maybe, maybe he's I'm worth a look. I'm uh, going to change that. Uh, <laughs> I literally Certainly not what I was expecting. I literally just finished talking about Slayton, and now he's up to 150 or so yards and two touchdowns. So wow. maybe, uh, maybe take a look at Slayton on the waiver wire this week. Well, uh, well, he wasn't on the list before, but uh, given how this game is going, maybe he needs to be. Um, how bad is the Eagles secondary? Oh my gosh. Well, the thing to remember is, as bad as they are, they're probably not as bad as the Dolphins' secondary. So, <laughs> if Slayton can do this, I don't know. Um, wow. Yeah, but uh, wow. 
All right, I you know I was gonna lean the Giants a little bit anyway in this matchup, but I'm I guess I'm definitely gonna lean the Giants now. Yeah, the Brady killer, uh, Eli Manning for the win in uh, versus Miami. Yeah, the resurgent Eli Manning, who's finishing his career strong. Wow. Philadelphia at Washington. Uh, hopefully Philly can get through this game healthy. Elshon Jeffrey also already didn't. Um, if they could have, once I would say would be a quarterback one locked in in this matchup. I think he. I think he probably is regardless versus Washington. Um, if Alshon's okay this week, he'll, he should be a wide receiver too. Ertz is obviously an auto start, and Miles Sanders will be a running back too, better in PPR. Um, if Alshon can't go next week, I think uh, Dallas Goddard takes a big step forward as a very nice, uh, sneaky tight end one. Something tells me uh, Jordan Howard isn't going to be back by this game next week. Um, if Ertz can't make it for whatever reason, of course, Dallas Goddard is a clear tight end one. Um Gosh, they're going to have to keep throwing if this if the secondary can't stop anything. And wow, yeah, I think uh, both of these tight ends are going to be startable. I must under the assumption right now that Jeffrey is going to be out probably multiple games based on how bad it looked. Um, I mean, they really have no one else at wide receiver. They've got the rookie JJ Arthago Whiteside, and they've got Nelson Aguilar, but uh, neither of these are reliable options. I, I would assume that there's going to be heavy target volume again for Ertz and Goddard. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Wentz gets downgraded a little bit here uh, if Alshon is out because Washington's defense has actually been pr- playing pretty well. Uh, they limited Aaron Rodgers for a lot of that game. Wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, Washington's offense just isn't good. Uh, I, I expect I expect Philly to steamroll them but i don't know what this is just not looking good versus uh the giants there should be some opportunity for terry mclaurin to get uh get deep against this bad secondary uh he's certainly a better player than darius slayton in my opinion uh he's an upside wide receiver three i'd put him in my flex uh but then probably force myself to forget that i did it probably throw up a few times um his touchdown and four catch this this week was was very very ugly if you caught the touchdown it was like Oh, gosh, I, I just don't know what that quarterback's doing out there. Gary Skice went down with an MCL sprain. He's out this week. Uh, that led to Chris Thompson seeing the field a lot more. Seven catches on eight targets, 43 yards receiving. He's a decent floor flex play if Geis is out. I'd avoid AP altogether here. Uh, he got it done versus Carolina, but Philadelphia's much better run game is going to uh, run defense is going to keep him in check. Yeah, it's really just McLaurin and Thompson here. I do agree with Thompson over Peterson and PPR. Um, quick question here, given what we've seen tonight, uh, if your choices were these two, would you start McLaurin or, uh, AJ Brown or Darius Slayton of these three guys? Oh my gosh. They're all, they're Oof. all a little boomer busts. So, you know, if, if Ingram is back, Evan Ingram is back, that knocks Darius Slayton down in my opinion, just because he and Manning have, I mean, he's had 80 plus targets in a season with Manning. Um, I think scary. I think Terry. I, I don't know why I said scary. I hate that nickname. Dumbest nickname that any 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 analyst has ever given ever. I think Terry McLaurin is is my choice here, despite Dwayne Haskins. Okay, I, I think I would go AJ Brown just because the Titans are hot right now. Sure. Um, back to this game though. Uh, you know what? <laughs> Philadelphia does not look good tonight. Uh, I think this is gonna be a closer game than a lot of people think. Um, as I mentioned, Washington's defense has been playing much better as of late. I'm I'm still going to go with Philly here uh, just because I don't have much faith in Haskins. But, man, I could see this going either way. 
Philly is losing 17 to three at the half with with the NFC championship in their grasp. Nobody nobody wants this division this year. I, I wish the Bears could be in the in the East and then, you know, waltz into the playoffs. Uh, I'm going to take Philly just because it's I mean, it's the only pick you can make, but they look terrible right now. Yeah, certainly See, wouldn't be going in on them with a survivor pick or anything like that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Seattle at Carolina. Seattle was handled by the Rams 28 to 12. I think the main takeaways as it pertains to the Carolina game is the ACL injury for Rashad Penny locks Chris Carson in as a running back one in Carolina. Carolina shouldn't have anybody available to slow down Tyler Lockett, who looked a tad better on his feet this week. I think he's a wide receiver, too, in Carolina. Metcalf is a monster of a man and has flex appeal this week. And Jacob Hollister continues to get targets. Six this week. He's an upside tight end, too. Uh, Russell Wilson should be a rock-solid quarterback one here versus Carolina. Look for him to get a few more runs in with Rashad Penny out and this defense completely unable to stop anybody rushing the football. I know he hasn't been, you know, lighting your pants on fire at all this season for, for the second half, but but I, I trust him in Carolina. Yeah, and, you know, I think it was Chris Collinsworth last night who said that Seattle's really built to play from ahead. Um, their offensive line is composed of a lot of big guys who can maul you in the run game, but their pass protection is average at best, and the other problem is that the Seahawks' defense just isn't great, so Russell Wilson gets forced into these situations where he has to go win the game, and certainly he can do that sometimes. Uh, he's a very talented quarterback, but he can only do so much. Um, Penny out for the season is a huge win for those with Chris Carson. Uh, Carson should be uh, pretty much back to that workhorse role we saw early on in the season. I've got him as a top-five running back this week. And the concern with Russell Wilson here is it's a great matchup against Carolina, and he's certainly like a top five, top ten talent. The problem is that fantasy-wise, Pete Carroll just wants to run, run, and run some more. Uh, Wilson doesn't get as many pass attempts in games where the Seahawks lead, and I expect them to here. So I've got him as a low-end QB1 with a little bit of upside. Um, But in order to do that, really, Kyle Allen and, and Carolina need to um, you know, kind of keep it close. Uh, and that's the problem that I see for Lockett and Metcalf as well. I've got those guys as boomer bust wide receiver threes. Um, and I would actually fade Hollister here for the same reason, uh, just the low target volume that I'm expecting, but also because Carolina is pretty tough against opposing tight ends with Luke Keekley there. It was a bad game for the Panthers to, to put it lightly in their loss to Atlanta. Um, Seattle's defense is not near imposing. CMC is still the running back one. DJ Moore is a wide receiver, two with upside. Four of six, 81 here. Kyle Allen continues to look his way. And if Greg Olson's out, Ian Thomas is tight end, one upside. Five of seven, 57 yards and a touchdown this week. And Seattle is, I think, bottom three against the tight end. Yep, I'd agree with most of that. But uh, I've got Moore as a wide receiver, one, not a wide receiver, two. Um, okay. He's the number four wide receiver over the last four weeks, and he's now up to the wide receiver 10 in PPR for the season. So I've gotten pretty much as a locked-in must-start wide receiver one. I think most teams who have him are starting him uh, every sure. single week at this point. Um, Curtis Samuel, he's still worth mentioning as well as a touchdown-dependent wide receiver four. And uh, really, I, I just, man, this Carolina defense is so bad. I think Carson's going to have over 100, 150 yards and a touchdown on route to a Seahawks win. Yeah, I think that's a pretty decent line. I think you're right on point. I will take the Seahawks. Sunday afternoon games, Jacksonville at Oakland. The Jaguars only managed 10 points to the Chargers. They have an easier defensive matchup here. Um, hard to take much from this game given the blowout. I don't think Oakland manages uh, the same type of blowout here at all. 
Fournette should stay a running back one, and Oakland's secondary is generous, so Conley and Westbrook are both flex-worthy with Shark out with a high ankle spray. Sprain. Spray. Yeah, it's uh, say don't spray it. Um, it's uh, really those three. Fournette disappointed a little bit this past week, but Oakland's a great matchup, and his pass game usage really gives him a, a pretty safe floor in PPR, so uh, you're, you're firing up Fournette here. The Raiders got blown out by the Titans with Josh Jacobs out, but I don't think much changes here. Jacksonville's defense is in disarray. It's very frustrated. It's not playing smart. The only options here are Jacobs, if, if healthy, as a running back, too. Uh, Washington and Richard shared the load in his absence, and I don't think they'd be necessarily good enough to save your week if you're looking for a plug-in for Jacobs, but I would pick Washington if that's all that's left on the waiver wire. Waller's a tight end one, six of six, 73 yards. The rest is inconsistent and messy, and I don't want it. Yeah, I think I'm much higher on, on Washington than you are. I think he's a priority <laughs> waiver ad this week. Uh, if oh, Jacobs wow. is out again, um, I have Washington as an RB2 um, for teams that need our running back help. Uh, you know, he touched the ball 20 times to Rashard's nine, including six receptions. So he's he's being used uh, as a rusher and uh, as a receiver. So uh, certainly a high ceiling and a high floor in PPR. Um, and as for Waller, you're starting him, uh, at tight end, but he has even, uh, you know, he's even safer now in PPR with Foster Moreau with that ACL injury. Um, he was vulturing a few touchdowns here and there, but that this should just be even more target volume for Waller. Both of these teams are pretty bad, uh, with pretty bad defenses. <laughs> um, I think the tiebreaker for me is a little bit of Minshew magic over Derek Carr, even though Minshew <laughs> has struggled a bit lately. Um, I'm going to lean Jacksonville here, especially if Jacobs is going to be limited or out with that shoulder fracture. I'm going to lean Oakland, but it's going to be uh, within four points, I think. Cleveland at Arizona. Cleveland beat Cincy at home and get the nice Arizona matchup now. Baker is a streaming option. Uh, I, I think uh, Cle- Cleveland's going to lean heavily on their two running backs, though. Um, they not, might not need Baker to do much versus Arizona. Chubb's a running back one, I think, 15 for 106 and a catch this past week. I think he scores at least one rushing touchdown here. Hunt is a locked-in running back two here um, in Arizona, nine for 28 and a touchdown on the ground, two catches, 40 yards this past week. He's getting plenty of work, and Arizona's rush defense is not good. Landry is the leading wide receiver on the team and is a wide receiver two here. And Odell Beckham Jr. only went two of five, 39 yards. But I, I can't see benching him in Arizona. Uh, I doubt you have three better wide receiver options uh, if you if you even made it this far with Odell Beckham, who you took in the late first or early second. So you probably didn't make it this far in the playoffs. Joku gets that sweet, sweet tight end matchup, but he showed absolutely nothing last week. Uh, so I can't plug him in here. I think Nick Joku is a risk-reward start for sure. But with guys like Evan Ingram, Jared Cook, Mark Andrews, all these guys questionable, I do think that Njoku is at least a high-end tight end two this week, if not a low tight end one, given the matchup against Arizona. Um, as we all know, they give up the most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. And as for Beckham, uh, he's certainly not a must-bench, but I would not mind benching Beckham depending on your options. Um I think I'm starting guys like A.J. Brown over him uh, if he's available on the waiver wire still. Um, if it wasn't Arizona, I'd agree with him. I just, I, I mean, the report that, you know, he's probably going to need groin surgery after this year, um, he just isn't playing at 100% health, and the explosiveness doesn't seem like it's there. I, I'd start him over McLaurin, but I think, man, I would, 
I don't know. I would consider Brown and Slayton over him at this point. Uh, the, their floors aren't much different, and we just haven't seen much of a ceiling with Beckham. You're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, we'll we'll find out in a, in a week or so, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, well, I'm not going to find out because I I don't I don't watch this week, so you, you're just going to have to sort of take the ball and run with it for us. Mm, yeah, you you are out <laughs> this coming week, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm just dropping off the face of the earth, so you're you're not going to hear from me again. No, uh, the, it's, uh, the Cardinals hit probably for the best. Probably. The Cardinals hit a roadblock versus Pittsburgh, but the Cleveland defense is more beatable. I'll take, or, um, no, Kyler Murray was not good, but I think he finishes near a quarterback one slot this week. Kristen Kirk's an upside wide receiver three, and Larry is seeing the targets, but not producing with them. Kenyon Drake is uh, leading that run game, but is just a running back three with upside. Uh, David Johnson is sticking around, and Chase Edmonds is getting touches as well. Yeah, it's really just Kirk here. Uh, he's a high-end wide receiver three if you're desperate. Fitzgerald, maybe he gets some targets. He's a wide receiver four, but there are a lot of guys I'd start over Larry Fitzgerald at this point. Um, Murray remains in that low-end QB1, high-end QB2 range due to that rushing upside, but I could definitely see starting guys like Tannehill and Mayfield over Murray this week. I think this will be a pretty close one, uh, but I'm still going to lean Cleveland here, uh, especially if Chubb and Hunt uh, keep that Thunder and Lightning duo running. I will take the Browns. Minnesota at the LA Chargers. Minnesota nearly shut out Detroit, but get a tougher matchup here. Delvin Cook looked healthy and should be a running back one in LA as Alexander Madison got plenty of second half work to spell the Cook, give him more time to heal up. Thielen did not play, leaving Diggs with a nice 6 of 9, 92 yard day. And B.C. Johnson caught that touchdown on his one target. I expect Thielen back here. Uh, Diggs may draw Casey Hayward. Diggs is a flexor, wide receiver three with upside if Thielen plays. And Thielen is a wide receiver two if he's healthy. Kyle Rudolph should disappear here. He could not stay hot with just one catch this week. And Cousins should be an all right quarterback too. I think the best news here is that Dalvin Cook owners can breathe a sigh of relief. Um, yep. He got his usual workload in the first half of that game against Detroit. Uh, didn't suffer any setbacks during the game, so he should be back to that usual RB1 workload and production. I am expecting Thielen out again, uh, which would leave Diggs as a mid-range wide receiver three or flex. And Rudolph still that boomer bust tight end too. Uh, the Chargers came out swinging on the Jaguars, winning 45-10 to 10 behind 300 yards and three touchdowns for Phillip Rivers on just 16 completions only to do that, uh, including Keenan Allen's 5 of 6, 83 yards, Mike Williams' 2 of 3, 63 yards, including a great 44-yard touchdown catch, <clears throat> and 2 of 4, 39 yards, and a touchdown for Hunter Henry. Keenan Allen should be an upside wide receiver, too, and Williams is a flex play against this bad Minnesota secondary. The running backs were great, too. Uh, Melvin Gordon rushing 12 times, 55 yards, and a touchdown with five carries. To Austin Eckler's eight carries for 101 yards on the ground and four catches, five targets, 112 yards, including an 84-yard touchdown. Uh, Jacksonville did nothing to try and stop these huge plays. I, I don't think we can count on a repeat of that at all, but I think Gordon's a back-end running back one, and Eckler's an upside running back two. Uh, you can't take his volume away from him with all the great plays he's made on this year. I don't think I have anything to add. Um, he covered everything pretty well. Uh, the Chargers handled a bad Jacksonville defense as they should have. Uh, I still don't really have faith in them, but with the Chargers defense healthy for now and playing well, um, both against the pass and improving against the run, 
I think I'm actually going to go with the Chargers upset here. Um, you know, they beat Chicago and Green Bay, so why not Minnesota with no Adam Thielen? Uh, you know, I picked them as an upset last week against Jacksonville, and I, I think I'm going to roll the dice on them again. Let, let it ride. All right. Uh, the Chargers' number one fan over here among ladies and gentlemen. I am going to take twi- uh, the Twins. Oh, my gosh. The Vikings. <laughs> L.A. Rams at Dallas. The Cowboys, not the... Uh, not the well. I guess they're not called the Dallas uh, Rangers or the Texas Rangers. Whatever. The Rams are starting to click and face a good uh, Dallas defense here. I would fade Goff back to a quarterback two here uh, if you were getting a little too excited. Todd Gurley isn't sitting for your playoff run if you have him. He's a running back two with upside, carrying the ball twenty three times with four catches to just five carries for Malcolm Brown. Actually, he's probably a running back one. Um, the usage of this season just has me a little bit spooked, but. Thinking about it, he's a running back one. Robert Woods has been on fire since the game he missed three uh, three weeks ago. Seven of nine, 98 yards and a touchdown and two rushes with uh, four of four, 45 yards and a touchdown for Cooper Cup, who was noticeably absent on a great number of, uh, tar- of, of snaps. And zero catches on two targets for Brandon Cooks, who should not be on your starting roster, certainly. Uh, I can't see starting him higher than... I don't know if you maybe you're in a league that has three flexes or something. He's going to get the tough pull here in Dallas as well. And uh, Wood should settle in as a back-end wide receiver, too, alongside Cup as a middling wide receiver, too. I think Cup has the easiest coverage all the game here. Uh, The main problem for him has been the emergence of the tight end position and the usage this past week. Tyler Higby went 7 of 11 for 116 yards, leading the team in targets, receptions, and yardage this week. Uh, as soon as Gerald Everett's back, though, you got to pull the plug on that. He's got a decent shot as any to put up tight end one numbers this week if Everett is out, though. Uh, Dallas has been bottom 10 against the tight end. Yeah, and I don't know, uh, is Dallas's defense that good? Uh, they they let Chicago put up 31 points against them on Thursday night. Uh the Cowboys, their last two wins were against the Lions and the Giants, uh, who scored 27 and 18 points against them, respectively. Uh, I think the Rams are going to keep rolling here. Um, I've got Gurley as a low-end RB1. Uh, the really baffling part is really the wide receiver usage. Uh, Robert Woods played pretty much every single snap on offense. Josh Reynolds played over 50% of the snaps. But then Brandon Cooks played just 39%. And Cooper Cup played just 29%. Um, (laughs) You know, it seems like McVay is pivoting a little bit uh, with his approach on offense. He sees that Goff can't be trusted under pressure, so they're putting in the tight ends to block a lot and to help open up some holes for Gurley in the run game. It's really just creating a messy situation for fantasy. I think I have Woods as the highest tier. I've got him as a mid-range wide receiver, too. I've got Cup as a high-end wide receiver, three. And then Reynolds and Cooks, of course, just wide receiver fours. Um, and as, as you said to uh, Higby, I do have as a tight end one if Everett's going to be out again, but much riskier if Everett is back. Uh, the Cowboys were beaten by a good Bears defense, but the players uh, produced in garbage time for you. No reason to shy away from Dak as a one. Cooper is a one who can disappear. He's going to see Jalen Ramsey, but he can also shake free for you. Gallup's a wide receiver three with upside after another six for a hundred yard day. Uh, Zeke is a one who added 90 yards and two touchdowns on the day. Witten should be an okay floor flex again. Uh, certainly not exciting, and I'd bet actually that you probably need someone with bigger upside in your playoff matchup in the semis. 
You know, I, I know that Jerry Jones said Jason Garrett is safe until the end of the season, but I think there's a 50-50 shot that Garrett is gone if he loses three straight to Buffalo, Chicago, and L.A. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I do think that Dallas is going to add another point to the loss column this week. As you said, garbage time is going to keep some of these guys afloat, but I have both Prescott and Cooper downgraded a little bit. I've got Prescott as a low on QB1, Cooper a low on wide receiver 1. It's been a really inconsistent year for them. And uh, surprisingly, uh, you know, Zeke, uh, of course, remains uh, the most reliable play here. I've got him as a mid-range running back one in this matchup. I'm going to go with the hot hand yet again, which seems to be the Rams right now after a disastrous start to the season. Uh, They're clawing their way back. Um, Yeah, I'm going to take L.A. I'm going to take a Dallas team desperate for a win here, somehow getting it together. Atlanta at San Francisco. Devontae Freeman had a great game in his first touchdown. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Devontae Freeman had a great game and his first touchdown on the season in the good Carolina ground matchup. 17 rushes, 84 yards in the touchdown, and four catches on the day. But he's just a middling running back, too, in San Francisco. Brian Hill got some garbage time value, but don't count on that being a factor here. Um, that that That's not going to exist. Richard Sherman pulled up limping at the end of the game, so there could be some retained wide receiver value here. Hooper is a uh, back-end tight end one. Looked okay in his return. Julio's obviously starting uh, for you. And I think the question is, can Russell Gage produce with Ridley out for the rest of the season? I think he can. Uh, We saw that San Francisco doesn't really have any lockdown corners, but it's going to come down to whether Matt Ryan will have time to throw against that Niners defensive line and pass rush. Uh, I've got Ryan as just a high-end QB2 in this matchup, and I don't love Devontae Freeman either. I've got him as just a mid-range RB3 or flex uh, in a bad matchup against the Niners. I like Julio as a high-end wide receiver too, though, and I do have Gage as a wide receiver four with upside. Both of these guys could see a lot of target volume in the second half if San Francisco is up big. Um, And likewise, I have Hooper as a low-end tight end one with upside as well if he has some garbage time opportunities here. San Francisco got that win versus New Orleans 48-46 to in the very exciting game. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo threw for 350 yards and four touchdowns and is an upside quarterback, too, here. Uh, the Saints didn't do much to slow down the offense, and I don't think Atlanta's going to either. Sanders is a wide receiver, too, who added a passing touchdown this week to his very, very nice 7 of 9, 157 yards in the touchdown. He may teeter into wide receiver one territory here, actually. Uh, Debo followed him with 5 of 8, 76 yards. George Kittle set up the win for his team, as you said, this week and is a no-brainer at tight end. They used a three-running back system led by Raheem Mostert, which makes it very tough. Uh, I think Mostert is a running back, too, here, and all the other backs are a little too risky. Um, he, Despite his, I think he finished the week as the running back one, but he only had like 12 or 13 touches. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what you think, Mom. I think that it's a tough situation. <laughs> um <laughs> And it's tough because overall, San Francisco's run game is so dominant. Uh, and I would think that Mostert would again get the most touches after playing well two weeks in a row now, first against Baltimore and now against New Orleans. Um, I do think Mostert is a low-end RB2 at this point with RB1 upside, though he still remains boomer bust. As you said, the touches are getting spread out here. Uh, even though he's the quote-unquote lead back, uh, the, the number of touches doesn't separate him that much from Breda or Coleman. Uh, Breda I've got as a flex if there's mop-up time especially and Coleman is sadly downgraded to a running back four he seems to be the odd man out now 
uh, with Mostert and Breda playing better. Uh, he's not a must drop. Uh, Breda, Breda has had trouble staying healthy, but I certainly don't think that Breda or Coleman need to be rostered if you're set at tight end, or excuse me, if you're set at running back and want to take a shot on a tight end or a wide receiver, uh, whether it's a, or even a, you know, a priority handcuff at running back uh, over these guys. Um, I just don't see you starting Breda or Coleman. Do you? No, I'm not going to. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, even if you want to drop one of these guys for, you know, a, a kicker or a defense, uh, looking, a, looking ahead to week 16, I'd have no issue with that. Uh, of course, uh, again, this is assuming that you are set at running back. Um, and man, I, I love both Sanders and Samuel in this matchup. I don't know which one I like better. Uh, Atlanta's secondary has been very injured and playing very poorly. And now they just lost Desmond Trufant, uh, one of their final starting cornerbacks. Uh, he's out for the year with a broken forearm. So this should be a really good matchup for all the Niners receivers. Um, Kittle, of course, you're starting. I took uh, San Francisco to upset at New Orleans last week, and I'm going to stick with San Francisco continuing their win streak this week. Give me the 49ers, too. Sunday night football, Buffalo at Pittsburgh. The Bills played the Ravens very tough, losing 24-17 with Josh Allen having a rough day, uh, not logging his regular 20-plus points. I think I'd go back to the well here, though. Pittsburgh is tough, but Allen has a good floor the vast majority of the time. If you have a big upside play in mind, then then veer that way. But if you just need like a 15-point floor and, and your favorite in your matchup, I think that's a lock for you here. Devin Singletary led the backfield split 17-4 to for Gore, and he had six catches. Uh, I, I think he... He has back-end running back two-day here uh, with more underneath work as Beasley and Brown get blanketed by the tough Pittsburgh secondary. I don't have much upside on either of them this week. Uh, Brown is a flex or wide receiver three type. I'm not so sure about Josh Allen. I actually sold him in a league a couple weeks ago uh, prior to the trade deadline for help at other positions because of his brutal fantasy playoff schedule. Pittsburgh was able to limit Kyler Murray from rushing much, and I think they're going to try and contain Allen as well and find some success doing so. A lot of Allen's fantasy production is predicated upon his rushing ability, so this could limit him for the second week in a row here. I've got Allen as just a mid-range QB2 this week. Uh, Depending on your options, uh, I would not um, mind benching him. In fact, I would start quite a few options who are out there in some leagues. Uh, Tannehill, Mayfield over Josh Allen. Um, Tom Brady at Cincinnati over Allen. Uh, there's quite a few guys that I've got ranked over Josh Allen this week. Fair enough. Pittsburgh defense got uh, them past Kyler Murray and the Cardinals with three interceptions, but their offense could not take much advantage of the nice matchup. Uh, this is going to be tough in Buffalo for them, complicated by the potential return of Juju Smith-Schuster. If he returns, he's Probably a low-end wide receiver three, and I'd avoid the rest of the passing game altogether. Deontay Johnson was the only producer, 60 yards and a touchdown. Vance McDonald turned the awesome tight end matchup into one one catch for three yards. He he did get injured, but he was healthy most of the game, and he did absolutely nothing. Um, yeah, if Juju is back, I, I I'm not putting any Pittsburgh player into my lineup versus Buffalo. Uh, I don't think unless unless Connor's back. That that's really it. Uh, they're a tad easier on the running backs. Snell gets no passing work. Samuels isn't producing on the ground. So, yeah, this offense is, is pretty cruddy. Yeah, it's really just Connor as a risky RB2 if active. Uh, we did see that he tried to play through that shoulder injury before. So even if he does play, he's risky. Um, who knows at this point? 
uh, as you said, Samuels and Snell uh, both just flex plays this week if Connor is out again. Buffalo isn't a matchup. I would really want to start any of these guys uh, with the season on the line here. And uh, per Vegas, uh, Pittsburgh's actually favored by a point and a half in this game. I'm not really sure why. I see this as a matchup between two teams that are both pretty good on defense, but this comes down to Josh Allen being a little bit more trustworthy than Devlin Hodges. Um, I'm going to take Buffalo. I'm actually taking uh, Buffalo, the road team also here. Uh, My guess is the odds have something to do with uh, Pittsburgh being at home. Indy at New Orleans. Indy gets that tough loss in the high-scoring Tampa Bay game. And this is a tough week to have Indianapolis players. New Orleans' strength is their run defense. And Mack was back this week, managing 13 carries, 38 yards, and touchdown against that tougher Tampa Bay defense. Mack should be a running back, too. He only seeded five carries to the other backs, despite the negative game script. Zach Pascal led with nine targets, and he should be a wide receiver three that turns in about wide receiver two value here. It is not likely we see T.Y. Hilton at all in the fantasy season. Jack Doyle had a tough day but just missed on a touchdown and had more chances. I'm betting he finishes as a tight end one here. Maybe, but uh, too little too late for some teams who started Doyle this past week. Um, Just worth noting, uh, Paris Campbell did land on injured reserve, so he is officially done for the year. Uh, In deeper leagues, maybe take a look at Marcus Johnson, who keeps scoring some touchdowns, but uh, not a whole lot to add here in general. It's Pascal, Mack, and Doyle for the most part. Let's talk about the Saints. The Saints came out on the losing end of that high-scoring San Francisco game, but Drew Brees was big time. 350 yards, five passing touchdowns, including uh, 11 of 14, 134 yards and a touchdown um, for uh, for Michael Thomas, which I forgot to write down. Two of two, 64 yards and two touchdowns in the first quarter for, um, oh my goodness, Jared Cook, the tight end, before he left with a concussion. And nice shots to Troy Smith and Josh Hill. Uh, Elvin Kamara was held in check. He's been a bit of a letdown. But I think he does break loose for a solid running back one week here with Indy especially allowing passes to running backs. Breeze should be a solid quarterback one with Indy having holes in its secondary. Uh, if Cook is healthy, which it doesn't look like he's going to be, I'd have him as a back-end tight end one. Yeah, we mentioned Breeze a little bit uh, at the start of the show. Uh, you know, just... We're, we're going to stand by it. Uh, apologies to anyone who lost because they, they benched Breeze, but uh, there was nothing to suggest that Breeze wasn't going to get crushed by the Niners' defensive line. I would think that very few, if any, expected such a huge day from Breeze and the Saints' offense in general. Um, not a whole lot to add to what you have uh, here. Yeah, I think you covered the main points, Los, but I am going to take the Saints at home. I'm going to take the Saints at home as well. Of course, there's no uh, teams on the bye, and that'll lead us into the injury portion. Yep, and uh, starting with the quarterbacks, we've got Patrick Mahomes with that hand injury. He's questionable but likely to play. Uh, He hit his hand on a New England defender, but he was able to finish the game fine. Uh, The x-rays came back negative, so it is just a bruise, but keep an eye on him just in case. Uh, He is expected to be good to go. Jameis Winston with the thumb fracture on his throwing hand. He's questionable, but also likely to play. Uh, He's got that small fracture, was able to play through it, and he got a second opinion today, and uh, they say that he is expected to be fine for this week as of right now. Dak Prescott with hand and finger injuries, questionable, but likely to play. He sprained his left hand and also sprained his right index finger on his throwing hand. Uh, But he was able to finish the game against Chicago on Thursday, and with the extra three days to heal, um, he is expected to be okay for this game. 
monitor Prescott's status just in case, but he should be good. Daniel Jones with a high ankle sprain. Uh, he's questionable. We're seeing Eli Manning tonight. It's going to depend on how quickly Jones' ankle heals. With the Giants really not playing for a whole lot this year, it would be unwise of them to needlessly risk their potential franchise QB of the future. Uh, but there's a crazy chance where maybe they can take down uh, the NFC East. We'll see. Uh, however, <laughs> they have stated that Jones is going to start again regardless of healthy, so monitor his practice status if you've been starting him. And then Matt Stafford with the spine fracture. He's questionable. We just really don't know at this point. Keep starting whatever backup you've been rolling out or whatever guy you've been streaming week to week. Um, hopefully you haven't been holding on to Stafford in one quarterback formats. All right, the running backs, the all-important position. Josh Jacobs with a shoulder fracture, questionable this week. He reportedly got a sh uh, shot in the shoulder for pain pregame versus Tennessee trying to go, but the team decided to shut him down. Although Jacobs uh, clearly wants to play, it remains whether Oakland's going to let their star rookie running back do so when there's not a ton on the line at this point in the season. Monitors practice status, but this could be another game-time call for Jacobs. Derrick Henry with a hamstring. Questionable, but likely to play. This seems like a minor injury, but Henry was held out once Tennessee was up multiple scores versus Oakland and didn't look as fast as, as usually on some of his runs. He'll likely play in a crucial divisional game versus Houston this week, but his effectiveness could be limited, and there's always risk to re-aggravating those soft tissue injuries. Delvin Cook with a shoulder sprain. Questionable, but likely to play. Cook got his normal workload versus Minnesota in the first half of the game. But Minnesota shut him down in the second half, went up multiple scores. It's a great sign that Cook was able to play normally versus Detroit, and he should be returned to being a safe running back one this week. <clears throat> Le'Veon Bell with the illness, questionable. And Bilal Powell, high ankle sprain, doubtful. We'll see if Bell's able to play Thursday versus Baltimore, but he should be good to go unless it's a severe illness out of the ordinary. With Bilal Powell not likely to play with a high ankle sprain, Ty Montgomery would be the next man up if both Bell and Powell are out Thursday night on a short week. Rashad Penny, ACL injury, probably out for the season. While not officially confirmed yet, Penny's injury is likely an ACL sprain or tear. Pete Carroll did confirm that Penny is done uh, for the season, so he's droppable in all redraft formats. Darius Geis with the MCL sprain, out this week and likely longer. Geis is out for at least one week, if not longer, with Washington, not a playoff contender. It would be wise for them to shut, him down, shut down the second-year running back. Geis is droppable in all but the deepest redraft leagues. He's likely not worth stashing, even if he were to return Week 16. Damian Williams with a rib injury. He's questionable. Damian Williams' rib will come down to a pain management issue. Even if he plays this week, Casey is using a full-on committee with McCoy, Thompson, recently re-signed Spencer Ware. Williams is only worth starting if you're desperate in deeper leagues this week. James Conner with the shoulder sprain, questionable. Connor could need surgery on his shoulder. A lot's going to depend on how he feels in practice this week. Even if he plays first Buffalo, there's always a risk of re-injury during the game, like when he got knocked out of the game versus Cleveland early on. He'll be a risk-reward play depending on your other options. Jordan Howard with that shoulder stinger. Uh, questionable, but not likely to play. The injuries kept him out multiple weeks. Until he's cleared for contact by team doctors, Howard is likely out again. And Bo Scarborough with rib injury. Questionable. Kerry Ann Johnson had the knee surgery. Like Damian Williams, this is going to come down to a pain tolerance issue. It's likely a minor injury, but it'll probably keep him out again this week, or keep him out this week. With tough mashups versus Tampa Bay and Denver coming up, as well as the possible return of Kerry Ann Johnson, Scarborough is droppable in most redraft formats. 
As for, as for carry-on, he could be activated for Week 16, but he'd be worth starting only in the deepest of leagues if active against Denver. And kicking off the wide receivers here, we've got Adam Thielen, of course, with that hamstring injury. He remains questionable. He's been out for weeks, and he had been out for weeks earlier in the season and then had a scare during practice and was downgraded to out again last week against Seattle. Um, We'll see how much of a setback this was, but he is truly questionable. Uh, Monitor his practice status. Mike Evans with a hamstring injury as well. Uh, he's uh, likely done for the season, as Bruce Arians said after the game. Uh, he would be surprised if Evans plays again this year. Those relying on him should make other plans for this week and next week. T.Y. Hilton with the calf strain. He's questionable, but not likely to play. Uh, he's just not ready right now. Uh, you probably have better options, uh, even if he is back next week in Week 16. Uh, just so much risk there with these soft tissue injuries. Uh, Hilton is only rosterable in the deepest of leagues. Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, with a core muscle slash groin strain. He's questionable but likely to play. Uh, he's been playing through the season all year, uh, and this makes a lot of sense now knowing about this injury uh, given his disappointing year. He's probably going to play as long as Cleveland isn't mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, but effectiveness is going to be the question. Uh, Beckham has dropped down to a wide receiver three or flex territory given this injury, uh, so it's going to be risk-reward depending on your other options. Juju Smith-Schuster with the knee injury, he's questionable, uh, but the reports are that he is expected to return this week against Buffalo. Uh, but like Odell Beckham, even if Juju plays, Buffalo is uh, in for a tough. Uh, excuse me, Buffalo is a tough matchup um, this week, uh, and Pittsburgh's quarterback issues are worrisome. Juju would similarly be just a flex play, even if active. Calvin Ridley with the abdomen injury, he's out for the season. Well, we're still not sure exactly what happened with Ridley, but he collapsed and needed to be carted off. He is done for the year and droppable in all redraft formats. Devontae Parker and Albert Wilson, both of them suffered concussions. Both are questionable. Every player advances through the concussion protocol at his own rate. Monitor their practice status closely this week. DJ Shark with a high ankle sprain, he's doubtful this week. He's probably going to be out multiple weeks, at least for the next two fantasy-relevant games, so he's droppable in most redraft formats. Will Fuller with a hamstring, he's questionable as well. He played just two games uh, before hurting his hamstring yet again. We're going to see if he can come back this week, but it took him four weeks the last time, so don't hold your breath here. Hunter Renfro with a broken rib and punctured lung. He's questionable but not likely to play. He's probably out for at least another week, uh, probably droppable in most redraft formats anyway. Outside of deep leagues, you likely have better options at wide receiver if you've come this far. Taylor Gabriel with a concussion. He's questionable. This was Gabriel's second concussion of the year, and uh, it's very likely that he could need extra time due to the multiple concussions as we saw with Sterling Shepard earlier in the year. Even if he plays, uh, Gabriel's going to be just a boomer bust wide receiver four. And then Auden Tate with the ACL injury, he's doubtful. And A.J. Green with the ankle, he's doubtful. Uh, Tate is probably out multiple weeks, if not the year, uh, and Green hasn't played all year. So with both of the Cincinnati wide receivers uh, probably out this week, it's going to open up even more opportunities for Tyler Boyd here. And it also does make Alex Erickson and John Brown somewhat interesting this week, though New England is certainly a poor matchup for them. As for the tight ends, Mark Andrews with that knee injury, questionable. Uh, Baltimore reported that it's minor, but it's still up in the air whether he's going to be able to play this week with them playing on Thursday night on the short week. 
And the Ravens could choose to hold out their star tight end as they can likely beat the Jets even without him. Jared Cook with the concussion questionable. Every player advances through concussion protocol at their own rate. Monitor uh, Cook's practice status closely this week. He's going to need to at least get some work in late in the week in order to have a shot to suit up for the game. Greg Olson also had a concussion. Same idea there. Uh, he's been a serviceable tight end, too, despite Kyle Allen's struggles. If he can't go, Ian Thomas would be a solid play. Ryan Griffin with a high ankle sprain. Doubtful. Griffin's likely out for at least this week, but probably multiple weeks. Even if he were to return week 16, Griffin would not likely to be able to be effective enough to trust in fantasy. He's droppable in redraft formats. Gerald Effort with the knee. Questionable. Everett sideline with a knee injury. Tyler Higby has been huge. 200-plus uh, uh, yard games, two straight weeks. There haven't been any details on Everett at all, but it uh, sounds like it could keep him out again this week. Higby could be in for another week of tight end one production if uh, Everett stays out. And Evan Ingram with the foot sprain, questionable. Evan Ingram continues to trend upwards, but we're going to see uh, when he can actually get on the field. If Daniel Jones' high ankle sprain continues to keep him out, Ingram should could see a lot of target volume from Eli Manning. Yep, and uh, moving on to our waiver wire ads, our streaming options here, starting with the quarterback position. We've got Ryan Tannehill, 40% owned in Yahoo, or excuse me, 40% owned in ESPN, 48% owned in Yahoo. And what's there really left to say about Tannehill? He's been a top three fantasy quarterback since taking over for Mariota, and he scored 18 or more fantasy points in six of his seven starts. Tannehill is a quarterback one against a beatable Houston secondary that just allowed the rookie Drew Locke to scorch them for 300-plus yards and three touchdowns. And speaking of Eli Manning, uh, he's 4% owned in ESPN, 3% owned in Yahoo. What year is it? Uh, if Daniel Jones <laughs> is out for a second week with this high ankle sprain, uh, Manning's going to have a great matchup against the Miami defense that's allowing the third most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. This game could even turn into a shootout with both teams having bad defenses. And on the other side of this matchup, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 15% owned in ESPN, 23% owned in Yahoo. He's worth a look as a streaming option, even if Devontae Parker is out with the concussion. He's a risk-reward play to be sure. But this Giants defense is top 10 in fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks in what could be a high-scoring matchup, uh, despite what we've seen uh, them do to Carson Wentz tonight. As for the running backs, Raheem Mostert, 40, 24% owned in ESPN, 51 in Yahoo. Matt Burita, 66 in ESPN, 61 in Yahoo. Mostert seems to be the clear head of the San Francisco committee right now, touching the ball 12 times compared to a combined 10 touches for Burita and Coleman. While the workload is still unpredictable in San Fran, Mostert has the most upside this week versus Atlanta. However, all three backs have potential if San Fran gets up big on Atlanta in the second half. DeAndre Washington, 6% in ESPN, 10 in Yahoo. With Josh Jacobs out, DeAndre Washington out-touched Jalen Richard, Richard 20 times to 9. If uh, Jacob misses another game, Washington will see the bulk of the snaps versus the Jacksonville defense. That's allowing the ninth most fantasy points to opposing running backs. Chris Thompson, 13 in ESPN, 11% owned in Yahoo. With Geis likely out through the fantasy playoffs, Thompson steps in once again as Washington's preferred passing down back. Even though AP will take the majority of the carries on the goal line work, Thompson is probably the better flex start this week in PPR with Philly tough versus the run. Tariq Cohen, 71% in ESPN, 64 in Yahoo. Cohen continues to be Chicago's primary pass catching back. He has a decent floor in PPR with some upside, and he could get added work if Chicago trails Green Bay in this one. 
Patrick Laird, 11% in ESPN, 20% in Yahoo. Laird is the primary running back for Miami with Kalen Balaj done for the year. There's not a ton of upside, but Laird is an okay flex play for the team's desperate at running back uh, given his workload. Peyton Barber, 37 in Yahoo, ESPN, 22% owned in Yahoo. Tampa Bay continues utilizing a messy committee backfield. Barber is the best bet to score a touchdown given his goal line role. He has a decent shot to do so versus Detroit defense, giving up the third most fantasy points to opposing running backs. <clears throat> and finally, priority handcuffs to consider rostering preemptively uh, for the fantasy playoffs. Of course, same guys as always, but now's a better time than any to have them on your team if they're sitting there in the in the uh, waiver pool for no reason. Tony Pollard, Latavius Murray. Gus Edwards, Malcolm Brown, and then Wayne Goldman seems to have lost his job to uh, Buck Allen. So Saquon goes down. Uh, that's your guy. Yeah, and uh, these are all guys to consider rostering over guys that we talked about, like Matt Breda and Tevin Coleman, who you're probably not going to start unless you're desperate. Uh, there's just a, a lot of players who could be sitting on benches that you're never going to play, so you might as well grab some of these guys with high, high upside. Moving on to the wide receivers here, we've got Justin Watson and Brashad Perriman, both unowned on both ESPN and Yahoo. Uh, desperate times call for desperate measures. Uh, there really aren't many great wide receiver options available on the waiver wire at this point, but with Mike Evans likely out with a hamstring injury and Chris Godwin likely to see a lot of coverage from Darius Slay, both Watson and Perriman have upside as wide receiver fours in what could be another shootout given Tampa Bay's bad secondary. Isaiah Ford and Alan Hearns. Ford is unowned and Hearns 1% owned in both formats. Again, if you're desperate, both of these guys saw high target volume with Devontae Parker and Albert Wilson both knocked out of the game, literally, against the Jets. If either Parker or Wilson are out for this week, both Ford and Hearns have great matchups against this Giants secondary that is giving up the second most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers despite Philadelphia's uh, inability to capitalize on that tonight. Sterling Shepard, 72% uh, in ESPN, 63% in Yahoo. Shepard is owned in most leagues, and we'll see tonight how the target share is spread around with Eli Manning under center. Uh, Darius Slayton has been the primary beneficiary, but Shepard did get an end zone target earlier in the game, just wasn't able to convert. And Miami is giving up the sixth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. This is a game that could turn into a shootout, so Shepard has some upside. Russell Gage, 6% owned in ESPN, 9% owned in Yahoo. Even in that tough matchup against San Francisco this week, Gage is the wide receiver fourth upside with Calvin Ridley out. He would likely step up, uh, or he does step up into the number two role uh, in this scenario, and there could be some garbage time opportunities as well if the Niners lead by multiple scores in the second half. Anthony Miller, 19% owned in ESPN, 20% owned in Yahoo. Miller's a viable wide receiver four with Chicago's offense improving over the last few weeks. However, if Taylor Gabriel is back this week, that could limit his target volume. Uh, he does have PPR upside if this offense can make a dent in Green Bay's defense. Michael Hardman, 16% owned in ESPN, 25% owned in Yahoo. We've talked about him for a few weeks now. Uh, the target volume isn't there, but uh, as we saw against New England, he only needs one catch to be fantasy relevant. With the Patriots focusing coverage on Hill and Kelsey, Hardman got free for a 48-yard touchdown, and he has similar scoring upside this week against Denver as a boomer bust wide receiver four. And finally, Chris Conley and D.D. Westbrook. Conley is 18% owned in ESPN, 20% in Yahoo. And Westbrook a little bit more, 63% in ESPN, 67 in Yahoo. With DJ Shark likely out with that high ankle sprain, both Conley and Westbrook should see big target share 
on an, uh, against an Oakland defense that's given up a ton of big plays this season. Even with the Jaguars' offense struggling, there's potential here for both wide receivers for some upside. As for the tight ends, we've talked about most of these guys. Tyler Higby, 11% owned in ESPN, 20% Yahoo. Higby now has back-to-back 100-yard performances versus Arizona and Seattle with Everett out. If Everett's out again this week, Higby is a nice streaming option versus Dallas, a defense that's uh, bottom 10 in fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends. Or, well, top 10 in allowed points to tight ends. Even giving up nearly 100 yards to Chicago's no-name tight ends this past Thursday. David Njoku, 23% in ESPN, 37% in Yahoo. Njoku was quiet versus Cincinnati with just three targets, but he has high upside versus Arizona this week, the team allowing the most fantasy points to tight ends all season. He's a risk-reward tight end, too, but with a high ceiling in this one. Noah Fant, 30% in ESPN, 28% in Yahoo. Fant has been boomer bust on low target volume, but Kansas City gives up the third most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. And there should be plenty of targets to go around in a game where Denver is projected to play from behind. Dallas Goddard, 43% known in ESPN, 61% in Yahoo. Goddard has been seeing consistent target volume with Philadelphia's wide receivers failing to impress outside of Alshon Jeffrey. With Jeffrey out, Goddard has high upside. Washington is also top 10 in fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends. Ian Thomas, 1% owned in ESPN and Yahoo. If if Greg Olson is still unable to return from concussion, Thomas gets to face a Seattle defense that allows the second most fantasy points to opposing tight ends, including a 116-yard performance to Tyler Higby this past Sunday night. And finally, Caden Smith, 8% in ESPN, 2% Yahoo. Smith is a risky start, but if Evan Ingram continues to miss games, Smith has been playing the vast majority of the snaps at tight end. We'll see how Smith's target share shakes out tonight versus Philadelphia with Eli Manning back as the starter, though. Uh, Thus far, just four targets, one catch for two yards. Yep, and then uh, kicking off the defenses, we've got Kansas City, 24% owned in ESPN, 31% in Yahoo. The Chiefs' pass rush is really coming on, and their run defense has improved over the last few weeks. They have high potential against the rookie Drew Locke despite their success against Houston this past week. Buffalo, 82% owned in ESPN, but just 65% owned in Yahoo. The Bills predictably struck, excuse me, predictably struggled to stop Lamar Jackson, but they have a much easier task in stopping Devlin Hodges this week. The Bills should be able to score some sacks and interceptions against Pittsburgh in this matchup. Seattle, 34% owned in ESPN, 41% owned in Yahoo. The Seahawks defense is average at best, but average might be good enough to pick off Kyle Allen, who has been struggling and has now thrown seven interceptions in the last four games. Seattle did get two interceptions on Jared Goff despite the Rams' win. And to kick off the kickers, <laughs> Robbie Gold, 51% owned in ESPN, 21 Yahoo. We discussed Gold as a pickup on last week's show. Now back healthy from his quad injury. He's tied to a great San Francisco offense that's going to allow him plenty of opportunities to kick field goals, especially this week versus an inconsistent Atlanta defense. Nick Folk, 5% owned in ESPN, 9% in Yahoo. New England will be on to Cincinnati yet again after a loss to KC, and the hapless Bengals will be the object of their fury. Expecting New England to keep their foot on the gas in this one in what should be a get-right game, leading to plenty of field goal opportunities for Folk. Aldrich Rosas, 5% owned in ESPN and Yahoo. Miami has allowed the third most fantasy points to kickers this year, as their defense simply can't stop opposing offenses. Rosas is a great streaming play at kicker, kicker this week, as are the rest of the Giants. 
yeah, and that's going to do it for our show tonight. Um, obviously, high stakes. Uh, if you've made it this far into the fantasy playoffs, congrats. Um, keep praying to the fantasy gods, I guess, that uh, your team stays healthy. Um, just a lot, uh, a lot of matchups that aren't great, so kind of pick your poison uh, this week. As usual, it's going to depend on your specific matchups, uh, different potential plays depending on whether you're an underdog or favored in the particular matchup. And as always, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, I am at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. I'm at FFA underscore Los. That's L-O-S. And you can hit hit up Super Producer Dan at FFA underscore Dan, D-A-N. Common spelling of Dan, as, as per always. And then, of course, we're available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Go ahead and hit subscribe. Whether you're listening to us on your computer or your mobile device, you will have a fantastic, if I do say so myself, podcast waiting for you every Tuesday morning. Yeah, and you can hit up uh, at FFA underscore Los at Disney World uh, this coming week, Ooh. right? Uh, isn't that where you're going to be? Yeah, so I, I this is how bad semifinal week is of the fantasy season. I decided I hate it so much. I can't watch football. I have to take myself out of this. And where can I put myself? So I'm going to Disney World. You know, usually people go to Disney only after they've won the championship. <laughs> oh, listen, no, I, I'm firmly convinced that I'm going to be losing all my matchups this week just because that's what happened. happens. That's why I need to be in the happiest place on earth. Ah, gotcha. So we'll see some uh, some iPhone videos of a blow up of an adult just melting down at Disney. Is that going to be right? Oh, no, I'm not paying attention. <laughs> Fair enough. Nope. Well, nope. We, uh, we hope uh, you have a good time. It'll be uh, Dan and I on the show next week. And uh, good luck in all of your playoffs, uh, whether it's Los or any of you all out there listening. And as always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. <laughs>